Yeah, Chips, Chips uh, taking Mrs. Brown to, to Pitbull tonight at Moody Center for her birthday. That was like right before you logged on. Okay. <laughs> Each their own. That's the great thing about musical taste is we can all like something a little bit different, and that's okay. I feel like Pitbull falls into that category of even if you don't necessarily like the music, like if you wouldn't listen to it in your AirPods, he probably puts on such a good show that it's worth it because of that. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Just fun music to go and dance to. Yeah, no doubt. Especially when you're in a celebrating birthday type of mood. Yeah, absolutely. How you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Trey? I'm good. What's on top for the uh, sports cast tonight? Uh, a little, uh, uh, little Rodney Terry uh, going into tomorrow's game. Little Jim Nance, you know we're CBS, so Jim Nance on uh, just have a soundbite interview uh, from not that I did, uh, unfortunately that would have been awesome if I got to do the interview, but Jim Nance talking about the Super Bowl being in Vegas and just what that means, kind of how nobody would have predicted this, you know, ten years ago, I, I, even well about ten years ago is probably probably pretty fair because uh, what the Raiders have been in Vegas for four or five years, so that's that had to have been in the works for a minute, but. Yeah. yeah, something about that and uh, Texans, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson sweeping the rookies of the year. Safe to say that that draft class worked out for those guys, even if even if they had flailed on every other pick, which they did not. Just those two guys alone as your cornerstones to to build around one on each side of the ball at arguably the most important position, definitely the most important position on offense. So that's yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we're talking about tonight and about three minutes but excited to uh discuss a bunch of different things in two hours here if you were to interview jim nance what would you want to talk to him about i mean just as a golf fan i'd probably want to talk to him about the masters and golf because i think that's i mean nance is fantastic in whatever he does whether it's you know gave up march madness duties after last year that was his final final four um bunch of football he's done football at a high level i mean everything the guy does is at an unbelievably high level but for me golf is and i guess God, march madness too but definitely being a huge golf fan that is what i think of i first thing i think of a jim nance i think of you know a hello friends welcome to augusta national you know final round of the masters all those different calls over the years so yeah probably some, i don't know you put me on the spot so i don't know but I'm I'm not as good of an interviewer as you are. Probably something golf related though. Hey, look, I I did put you on the spot to be a good interviewer. You need to think about things beforehand and do a little bit of prep too. I've been forced to re-examine how I go about doing my prep and the conversations that I get to have. Some for this channel, but also for the radio show that gets respun. I, I really do what I I do on the radio show for the podcast, but. I had a really bad interview with a comedian, a local comedian, like three or four months ago, and it forced me to re-examine how I'm going about learning more about these people and relying less on just typing the name into the internet and getting factoids off of... Wikipedia is obviously the laziest version of this, but Wikipedia or articles written about that person or with this guy, there wasn't a whole lot written about him, so I just went in winging it based on having seen a stand-up and being somewhat familiar with that. And it was a disaster of an interview. So now with 
preparing for interviews, I'll actually go into podcasts and find recent podcast episodes where they've maybe been asked about themselves a little bit, or they're talking about something that they're passionate about in a given moment. And what I try to do now is find the question after the initial question. Cause everybody's, Whenever they're do when whenever they are being interviewed by somebody for the first time, it's always the get to know you conversation. Where'd you come from? How'd you get into this? How'd you get here? There? What do you think of this? Those are the same five questions that everybody asks, and I'm not faulting people for asking those questions, but in trying to get better at this, I recognize that. So now it's about figuring out the best question as a follow-up to some of those initial questions and not necessarily assuming that everybody has heard them in conversation previously, but doing like a quick setup or a quick primer to help set up whatever that next question is. And so thankfully it's, you know, it's one of those moments where you, you do a shitty job and you're like, why the fuck did I just do that so poorly? Oh, because I, I didn't prep well enough. Well, I just leaned on the fact that there wasn't a whole lot there, so I'm just going to rely on my abilities as someone who conducts conversations, which can be okay at times if I have a general familiarity with somebody more so than I did. But otherwise, it's like I, I've got to put the work in. I've got to, even if it's on two two times speed, I need to go listen to this these this person or these people in other podcasts and get a sense of who they are and where I can maybe take things. So I just sure you're on netflix from time to time there's a stand-up special with this guy dusty slay he's got long hair glasses he wears a trucker's hat very distinct to look i wasn't that familiar with him he's a nashville-based comedian i just spoke with him uh, about an hour ago and so i watched a stand-up it was hilarious but i knew nothing about the guy so i went and listened to episodes of his podcast and a few recent episodes that he's done on other podcasts where he's promoting this new special and just talking about random shit and that helped me have a better conversation, thankfully. I think that the platform that you're doing it on, you're doing the interview for, changes the approach for sure. But the one thing you mentioned, the follow-up, I think no matter what you're doing, whether you're doing a podcast and the interview might be 20 minutes, it might be an hour. Or for us where I might do a five-minute interview and maybe all five minutes will run for our Sunday night show where we have more time to go in more detail or it could be a minute for the sportscast, or it could be 20 seconds for the sportscast. But the follow-up, the simple follow-up almost always gets the best answer. Because yeah. I think, especially in a sportscast, but even in podcast form a little bit too, if you tape an interview, you can lead up to it and you can do the nuts and bolts. I mean, I had a, a journalism professor at UT. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was like one of the first classes and he would always talk about the SOTs, the sound on tape that's like you know the jargon in, in the tv business he's like you want to let them bring the color and the emotion with their soundbite basically what you're doing is kind of just setting up and providing the context and like leading them to whatever like their soundbite is so that the viewer has the context and all that and then let them bring the emotion and the passion and those kind of things and you can focus on the the, the nuts and bolts but yeah definitely in sportscast form that's that's really what we're doing like with Nance, I'm letting Nance, I'm using the Nance bite and the bite I use is the sound bite is what him going like, this is a, a watermark moment for our careers getting to do the first Super Bowl in Las Vegas. It's him getting really pumped up. And then it's 15, 20 seconds before that of me basically just being like, 
the NFL's done a complete 180 on their stance, you know, of Vegas, of just Vegas in general, not even just the gambling, just the entire Sin City element of it. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure your your approach can change from the various platforms that, that you, you do interviews on. Cause I don't do the super long form ones as much as you do. Um, yeah. But yeah, even like just the, the longer the simple follow up is just why. I like the longer form conversations because it does allow you to uh, to let a conversation breathe and probe a little bit more on a given issue. But some people are you're better off with something shorter, like Craig Robinson, a uh, popular actor who was in The Office, Hot Tub Time Machine. He was at Cap City a few w- weeks ago, and it was evident to me. And early in that conversation that I had with him, it was only scheduled for 10 minutes. It was evident to me early in that conversation that he's got a little bit of a social anxiety and like just having a general conversation with somebody. Like he's a funny guy on stage. He crafts his material. He knows how to deliver lines. He's got great comedic timing, but he was nervous when he and I were talking, even though it was just via zoom, he was in his hotel room. I'm here in my home studio. And so like a 10 minute conversation there, maybe something a little bit, less was okay but i've also been so here here's an example of me me having to deal with what you are in terms of a brevity with which you have a a chance to ask questions so next month the south by southwest one of my favorite times of year is south by because i love going and covering red carpets and everyone wants to talk about something they want to pub something you know they do (laughs) here's the thing though is that on these red carpets, everybody's getting asked the same two or three questions. So at that point, it's my job to try and figure out how to ask questions that are a little bit different. Sometimes they're irreverent. Sometimes they're completely fucking random. But sometimes, if it's the right opportunity, because I'm never at the front of the line, that's fine. I get it. There are national publications there, and I should be lower on the pecking order. You know, with uh, with whatever outlet I'm with in a given year, if it's a local sports radio station or last year, it was just my podcast. And I was basically having to beg my way onto red carpets. And thankfully, the South by people are really gracious and they see people that are out there grinding and working hard and they provide those opportunities. But if I have the chance, I'm listening to the person next to me conduct an interview with the person that I'll be speaking with next to gain a sense of what I may want to ask them after that. So some of my best moments on the red carpet have had to do with that. Now, I got to cover air last year where it was Affleck, Damon, Bateman, uh, Chris Tucker, um, Jason Bateman. I forget if I mentioned him. I was the only person, one of the only people I've ever been nervous interviewing was Jason Bateman, Bateman <laughs> like the world's greatest smartass. It's like, how do you, how do you have a smartass conversation with the world's greatest smartass? I wish I had a redo on that. Maybe I'll get another opportunity down the road. Were you just nervous? You're just going to shit on your questions, basically? No, I was just nervous because I like I have I I so admire how incredible a smartass he is, and he's also done a bunch of great stuff over the years. Obviously, he had just completed Ozark, which was an, an amazing show. Arrested Development, one of the all-time underrated sitcoms for the. Last season on Netflix was a little iffy. Actually, both Netflix seasons were a little iffy. But the uh, the show when it was on Fox was incredible. And I just I had a lot of admiration for his work. And even though he was a secondary figure in this, uh, in this movie, the movie Air, I still found myself nervous. It just does happen from time to time. So, um, but 
the red carpet thing forces you to be really quick. You can't let the conversation breathe. You have to get right into it and you can maybe provide a quick setup, but it's like you may, especially with the bigger names, you only get a question or two. So you've got to make those questions count. And most of the times I can do that. Sometimes I fall flat on my face though. Like, did you ever watch the, the, uh, the game of Thrones series? No. Okay. There's one of the most vile characters in that series was the queen. Her name is Cersei, I believe. Well, she was at Austin Film Festival this last October promoting a movie that she had just written and directed. Well, her evil, angry demeanor on screen, that's kind of how she is in real life, too. Like People always joke with me having resting dick face, because I do. (laughs) Well, she has a serious case of RBF to the degree that it actually threw me off. Like I'm, I'm starting to set up this question, and she's just looking at me, and her look is like, like she just has this level of contempt for you, and I got nervous. It wasn't, I wasn't nervous because of who I was talking to. I was nervous because it's like, holy shit, this person's like ready to just sh- trash me because <laughs> of some stupid thing that I've said, and it got me completely out of my element. I never ended up using the audio or video as a result, as a matter of fact. <laughs> But uh, those moments, thankfully, are few and far between. And part of it is the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it, too, obviously. I was going to say the other end of it, too. The more you do it, the more you put yourself out there and interview a million people, like you're going to have a couple that fall flat for whatever reason. Because you you didn't have it that day. Or what I'll always say about interviews, the other person has to be a willing participant, too. For it to be a good interview. Doesn't matter how great of an interviewer you are. Dan Patrick, in my mind, the greatest interviewer in sports radio history. Has Kyler Murray on in the obviously viral epic moment we all remember. And, I mean, that interview was terrible. But it wasn't anything Dan really did. It was Kyler just went on and didn't want to answer any questions. He went on Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like three or four years ago. And, like, if the person doesn't want to be interviewed, then it's going to be a terrible interview no matter what. And although that was a slightly longer interview, so you maybe had an opportunity to establish a rapport there, that's where the longer form conversations are really beneficial. Because even if the person isn't a willing participant in the beginning, if they see if they see that you've done the work and you're showing the respect to actually put a, put a little bit of effort into it, they will gain that sense and they they will loosen up a little bit to where if you have 20 to 30 minutes with somebody by halfway through that conversation, it's a really good conversation, even if it may have started a little bit slowly. Now, for sure. And I wish I got to do more of those longer form interviews that you guys do. But I feel like one day opposite KI need to consider like a uh, post news Jeff Barker long form interview show. Oh, man. I'm writing a letter. I'm writing an angry letter saying that (laughs) they're not giving you your comeuppance. I've used the word comeuppance like four or five times today. I apologize. I do that sometimes when I somehow a new word fits into the uh, into the repertoire and then I just overuse it. Yeah. So last time I used comeuppance, I promise. You have Super Bowl prop bets that you wanted to talk about. What do we should got? I fire, should I just fire away? Let's I mean, go. Like, do you do you have any that you that you do every year? The, um, the, I do squares every year. Oh, that reminds me. I actually 
Ike, I see you on the, uh, the YouTube comments line now. I'm not a big PayPal guy. I promise you I'll get you uh, that 100 bucks for the square. I'm going to I'm in a couple different squares leagues for the Super Bowl. That That's the big thing that I do gambling-wise. That and BK and I now have a bet where the loser, based on if San Francisco or Kansas City wins the Super Bowl this year, the loser, if we can find an affordable, custom-made sex doll that can be made in – the loser's likeness will have to take the sex doll in their likeness out for a nice steak dinner and then go back home and seal the deal. <laughs> seal the deal. Uh, did you, uh, did you see the Phoenix open clip going viral yesterday? Oh. Um, the dude, it was a dude wearing, I mean, you know how that tournament is. It's the craziest tournament of the year that oh, bucks yeah. every, golf stereotype and trend of it being stuffy and it's a total blast fanfare happy Gilmore took over the PGA tour basically especially on 16 well there was a clip going viral I'll see if I can if I can send it to you in a minute here um of a guy wearing like a wedding dress I'm pretty sure and I think somebody ended up interviewing him or maybe he went online and cleared the air or whatever but supposedly it was a fantasy football like losers last place bet that he had to pay. And I'm like, man, that is a, that's a good one. I mean, I like the the bet that you guys have of um, you and BK where you guys do, you guys do the, uh, or what BK goes in the, the season long one, right. Where he has to go in the OU section dressed in burnt orange. Yep. That's a pretty good one. And I, I like the, I like this guy having to walk around the Phoenix open and, a wedding dress. So, so it's the Phoenix open. Okay. Phoenix. Yeah. Just put Phoenix open dude in a wedding dress. Hey, our first, uh, last on Monday, it was things that we never thought we would Google. Here's the first one. <laughs> dude in a wedding dress at the Phoenix open. That is not, nothing's popping up on Twitter. That's disappointing. Oh man. All right. Let me scroll a little bit. I've just typed in Phoenix open. We'll see if that does it. Very weird. Getting carried out. Oh, my gosh. I, I found it here. Okay. Send it to me, please. You can you can do that through the private chat on the right-hand side. There we are. All right. Should be a picture somewhere in there. Oh, here we go. Why was this not? Come on. Twitter be better. All right. I'm going to screen share this. Is it showing up better on yours? It's like cut off on mine. No, I think it should be showing up here. All right. Now let me get here. Share screen. There we go. You see that? <laughs> there it is. Oh, man. I love it. It looks even funnier, too, that he's just like walking around with a Michelob Ultra or whatever that beer is. <laughs> you trying to play the video? Yeah. Oh, is it not playing? Oh, no, it's playing that ad at the bottom. That's weird. Uh, I wish I had my tee shots yeah. like that. Yeah. That is annoying. All right, stop sharing. Well, the, that, that got the point across with the with the wedding dress like that. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a great fantasy football bet payoff. BK is also going to have to wax his chest here during the midday show in the next couple of months. He's got got to actually grow the chest hair out first because we found out after he lost the more recent bet that he's been shaving his chest since college because he had two girls in the same week tell him that whatever the rat's nest was he had on his chest was unbecoming. So. What are the what are the logistics like for that? Like you guys are just going to do the show like normal. He's going to have to have like a, like a at home, like, like just somebody that'll come do that. Like, are there, I know there's like mobile, mobile teeth whitening, mobile dog grooming is, are there, are there mobile taco meat chest hair waxers? We've got a girl because we did the same bet a few years ago on the radio show that I lost and I had to get my, chest waxed silky smooth and so we've got the same girl she's still in business so we're she's on, gonna get some free pub and on retainer with has has grown out long enough to where it's gonna become more painful for him yeah he's gonna get his chest waxed on the air <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> all right should i uh should i get into these yeah, let's hear because I'm I'm a ter- I'm terrible when it comes to talking gambling. Other than giving my opinions on these things, I just don't see don't these are it. just. I haven't even made picks on these. I do the coin toss every year, and it's one of my favorite ones. It's action right before the game. It's literally like we talked about Monday. Literally the flip of a coin, bunch of fun. You're just sitting there like I. It evolved over time too because the first time I did it was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And it started like a streak of five straight ones where I would like, I won the coin toss last year, snapped the streak. And it just became like a running joke with my buddies. They would, they'll all text me like the day before they'll be like, what's the pick. And I'd be like, tails is due heads is due. But we watched the Super Bowl when Philly won a couple years ago at a Dave and Buster's with like a million beer towers. And we had to hold this, we had to get there early to hold the spot. So like by the time the game started, we were, we were pretty, pretty much hammered just to hold our table. And we're like, what stupid crap should we bet on? So we did the coin toss. It evolved over time. Love doing that. Have not made my pick on that yet, but bunch of fun gets the game started the right way. These are just ones. No heads or tails, or is it really a spur of the moment deal? It's a total like spur of the moment deal. And that's how it's just like evolved as an inside joke over time where like my buddies will just be like, what is it? Like is tails do is heads do. And then I just like make a pick a Sunday morning based off of absolutely no research or thought at all. I just wake up and I'm like, yeah, it's heads this year. And I won like five, I won five in a row. So that, wow. That ended up being pretty good. Tons of skill, obviously, you know, not me just uh, throwing shit at the wall and it somehow sticking five times in a row. But some of the other ones are like, we talked about color, the Gatorade, all that's fun. Some other random ones. Color of, I guess Reba McIntyre is doing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Color of Reba's boots, the primary color of her boots. <laughs> like, so it's black is plus 200, brown plus 325, red plus 350. It's got to be black. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's what I would take. Um, and then there's all, I mean, obviously there's all kinds of other ones. I know people love the over under on the national anthem, how long it takes. Yeah. It's usually somewhere around like a minute 50. It's now gone into, they'll do the same thing with America, the beautiful and whatever 
songs are going to be sung. There's like a whole page at most of these books for Usher props. Like, will Usher take his shirt off? I'm sure is like minus a hundred million. Yeah, I was about to so, say that's that, actually that's will not, he ever wear a shirt would probably be a better bet. Maybe. Um, the price of Bitcoin during the game. Wow. Will it go up? Minus one twenty five down minus one oh five. Oh Which, wow. I'm not really sure why that would mean that they oh no, they think it's gonna go up, obviously. Yeah. No, they think it's gonna go down. No, um, that wins you one twenty five. You're right. That, yeah, that, yeah, because they're yeah, they're juicing it big time yeah. for up. And then this one I I tried to pick a few that I just had like never even heard of or never seen. Will any player record an octopus during the Super Bowl? Yeah, I found out what the octopus was last week. That is a touchdown and then the ensuing two-point conversion. Yeah, it's basically like, and it's the same rules as anytime touchdown. The quarterback doesn't count. Like, if Mahomes throws a touchdown pass to Kelsey and then throws the two-point conversion to Rice, that doesn't count. It's got to be... Um, like, cause obviously anytime touchdowns, you don't get those for passing touchdowns. It has to be the guy who rushes it or catches it and runs it into the end zone, rushing or receiving touchdown. Um, but I, you knew what an octopus was. I, I found out about it from a good friend. Who's the main handicapper at Nesson in Boston. I have him on the radio show on Fridays. And so he went over a lot of these props last week and he said, octopus. I'm like, what? And he's like, <laughs> well, yeah, cause Jalen hurts, even though I know that quarterbacks can't throw and then run it in or throw it in for, for the octopus. You, it's got to be the person who goes into the end zone both times. Jalen Hurts did have the octopus in last year's Super Bowl. Oh, when was that? Remind me of that one. He, he ran a touchdown in, and then he ran the two-point conversion in. I don't remember when. Oh, dang. That's Yeah, that would be – that seems like it would be the most likely, right? I mean, I guess you could do – I mean, it could be like – a rushing like a, well, I guess I could totally see a McCaffrey rushing touchdown and then a McCaffrey like swing pass or something like that. McCaffrey would be the best bet for that bet. Um, last last one of just like random ones. I looked at these probably twenty minutes before the show, so I'll, I might have some better ones later. But they do a bunch of these. What will be graders and they're cross sport. I think we talked about these a little bit on Monday. Yeah. They're also cross like politics too. Some of them were, were like the margin of victory in the Texas Republican Senate hmm. versus like how many points are scored total or whatever, you know, whatever it was. The one that I thought was the most random that was, they were both sports related. What will be greater Jersey number of the first touchdown score or and that's minus minus one thirty winning score of the par three contest at the masters. That is about as random as it gets. Cause even as a golf fan, I don't even know what the average, like it's obviously like, like under par something under par. So you're basically betting that a receiver, like you're, you're, if you take in the Jersey number, you're essentially saying, I think it's going to be Travis Kelsey um, or like a receiver in the eighties or even like Debo Samuel 19 instead of, you know, somebody like, uh, like, well, I mean, even 
McCaffrey's what, 23? So yeah, there's four par fours at Augusta. They only are the four par threes at Augusta. They only play the par threes or do they play other holes as par threes? Yeah, I'm about to look to see. I think they just play all the par threes. Um, I'm about to look and see who won last year and what the scores were. There's a drastic difference in what that final number. Oh, was. yeah. Man, I might take that one because, okay, last year Tom Hoagie won it with a score of six under, it looks like. Hmm. So who would so who would the touchdown? I'm trying to think off the top of my head who the likely touchdown scores would be that would be less than that. Is there a number one? <laughs> uh Jarek McKinnon who's not playing. Man, that feels like a pretty that feels like a pretty good bet to the uh, jersey number being higher. What are the odds there? Only minus one thirty. Wow, throw, really? Throw thirteen something, down. There, there must be something that we're missing. That seems like too easy. Throw thirteen down to win your win your ten. Hmm. Let's see. Oh come on, come on, internet today. Any Taylor yeah. Swift bets? No, I mean, I didn't even look. I I probably should have come with a few of those, but I figured there's enough of that going on. Yeah. You know, that like if, if somebody's really interested in that, they've probably already made their own Taylor Swift bets. True. But so I guess some of the – I mean, they were, they were doing this before with cutaways to certain people, but I'm sure there's a Taylor Swift cutaway bet. I don't know. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Like how many times the broadcast will cut to Swift. Yes, oh, there is that because I think it's five and a half right now, which seems again like easy money. It seems like the over is going to be easy money, and the only way that doesn't happen is if she doesn't make it to the game. <laughs> Wait, is that a legitimate possibility? She's flying from Japan. She's going to be on a private jet. The time of the flight supposedly makes it. Pretty unlikely that she would miss the game, but you never predict the conditions surrounding a flight. Now, if you're flying private, then it becomes much simpler, but you never know. True. Not wishing for this, but it could be a plane crash. There's a plane crash that would keep her from the game. I believe that would. I believe I believe that would. Uh something something tells me she's she's gonna make it to the game. I think she's going to be there. I think so too. And I think that CBS won't be able to help itself, but to show her more than five and a half times on the screen, <laughs> especially so, if Travis Kelsey does well, they may be showing her every time he catches a football. He had 11 catches last week. So I've been, I've been given the okay from the wife for my Super Bowl plan. Okay. Rare, rare day off. I would like to watch the Super Bowl by myself in my home. And I'm not an antisocial person, but it's just uh, it's the bittersweet aspect of it being the last football game of the year. And I'm all for parties. I'm all for socializing. But, like, I really want to watch the game. That's always my issue with Super Bowl parties. And you feel this 
kind of obligation to socialize with people, you know, and I'm like, we can do that. We can do that any other day. Like we got 364 other days out of the year. Well, maybe minus the other 17 to 20 Sundays that I want to watch football, but all right, we got 330 <laughs> or 40 Sundays or days of the year where I can go socialize with people. Yeah. So went to HEB today. Everyone behaved themselves. Quite rare. That's quite a shy. huge upset. Yeah. Which which makes me almost makes me more nervous about what the universe is gonna throw at me from the general public moving forward. Everyone behaved themselves very nice. Uh went and got myself a frozen Detroit style pizza so I could pour one out for the Lions mm. while while I'm watching the Super Bowl. That's also just, that's my favorite kind of pizza. Uh, I would I would go get it fresh from somewhere, but don't want to deal with all that. You can or you can put that order in now at via three one three. I know I'm like twenty minutes from the one in Round Rock. I know that sounds so lame, but also I want to <laughs> I want to watch the Phoenix Open before that. So I've got to time it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna get her the itinerary in a little bit. I sound like a fantastic husband in person right now. I want to make an Irish coffee, watch the Phoenix Open. Uh, at some point, do a couple honeydews, some husband duties, some stepdad duties mixed in there. And then I want to start partaking in the adult beveraging. And I want to sit on the couch and I want to just lock the F into the game. I think it's great. It's a great What's your plan. plan. What's your plan? Jeff, <laughs> I love my kids. Sometimes my kids' shit gets in the way of the shit that we should probably be doing instead. The basketball league that my kids are a part of decided to schedule games. They normally have games at 12, 1.30, and 3 o'clock. So it's a 30-minute practice and an uh, the game goes about an hour. So we have a three o'clock game that goes right up until four 30, which doesn't totally kill the Super Bowl plans, but it does. But it goes until when rush around a little bit. What's that? It goes until when Four thirty. Oh, so it's not during the game, but I would have liked to have just hang out and not have to worry about this bullshit, but I'm going to be a good dad. You sound uh, quite enthused about this. We're actually just going to watch the game here too. We we did get one Super Bowl invite this year. Calvin's soccer team, his coach, he's a really nice guy. They're having people over, but we're just like, we just don't want to deal with it. We're just going to hang out at home. Justine's going to make her legendary buffalo chicken dip. I'm going to make sure to get the broccoli and cauliflower florets at the store earlier that day to have my dipping vehicle for this delicious dip. I saw you just getting dragged on the uh, the TSU Twitter account last night. I meant to comment, and then I, I, I saw it. was like, I'm going to comment wings and then forgot. Wings is a good option. Pizza is a great option. We're going to get some pizza also from Bufalina. They're, going to, they're doing a buffalo chicken pizza which is never on the menu. They're doing it specifically for Super Bowl Sunday. They're going to be closed for the game. 
It's all pickup orders. So we're going to go get a couple of those. A few other things at Bufalina. Justine's going to make the dip. And we are going to indulge on some delicious food while watching the game. That's going to be that. I don't care about the commercials. When the commercials are on, I may tune in for a few, and I may choose to get up and do other stuff while the commercials are on. And the ladies are all excited about Usher and the halftime show and the prospect of seeing Taylor Swift in the suite throughout the game. And we're just going to enjoy the season's final football game as a family. Hey, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Just wish my family wanted to hang out at home with me. Instead, they want to go hang out with other people. Oh, are they actually going to a Super Bowl party? They are. Yeah, it's one of one of Jace's uh his his best best buddy. Been awesome to see by the way, you know, when they start making really good friendships like that. Mm-hmm. He's gotten really close with with one kid in class and they're going over there. His parents are awesome too. Like we've hung out with them quite a bit over the last couple months. Um I but I just told Jasmine I was like I want to I just want to watch at home. You're going to be a hermit. Yeah. Like and I I'm never like that. I'm usually the social butterfly, let's go do whatever. But this is the one thing that I want to hermit on. So they'll probably come back for the second half because, you know, kids like at a certain age, I mean, he's got like if there was no school the next day, like I I probably wouldn't have any issue with him staying up for the entire game. But I mean, dude's barely five years old. So, you know, probably probably by the second half, they'll be they'll be heading over. I mean, it's going to be like what, seven thirty, eight o'clock when the halftime show ends and they actually start the second half. Exactly. So I know it's almost become cliche at this point because people talk about it. Why is the Monday after the Super Bowl not a national holiday? You can call it super. I don't care what you call it, whatever it is. People should not have to go into work on Monday. Kids should not have to go to school on Monday. You know how big of a drag that is for the teachers who are having to deal with that crap. So Monday after Monday after next is President's Day. Move President's Day to the Monday right. after the Super Bowl. Why can't we do what our presidents would have always wanted us to do, which is do the single most American thing on Sunday, which is watch Super Bowl, and then do the next most American thing, which is find a way to take the day off after it. I think you just solved this problem. That's what that's what I'm about. I'm about look. I'm going to complain, but I'm also going to try to solve problems while I bitch about them. It, it is as important as the complaint is helping to come up with a solution. <laughs> I had a general idea of the Monday being off, and you tied it all together with a federal holiday that already exists. It's already on the books. Yeah, it's not like it's always falling on any one president's birthday. It's just whatever number Mondays it is through February. So let's just move it up by a Monday. This is very simple. We do not need to overthink this one. This is turning into a bit of a daylight saving times bit where it's like, yeah, we probably don't need daylight savings times anymore in the fall. And with something dark before five o'clock, does anybody else? And Trey, with some of the like different days that we, we talked about in the fall during football season, the administrative days, multiple that these districts have, there always comes a time on these days off when, and look, some of them make sense. Like some of them make sense why they have the day off. Spring break's always been a thing. Obviously the federal holidays and, and that kind of stuff you sort of get, but even those there ends up being a time where you have the kid at home, you're having a bunch of fun, you go do something. You're like, Oh, this is really cool that we get to spend this extra time together. 
And then you and the kid both just kind of look at each other and there's this silent, why the hell are you not at work? Why the hell are you not at school? And what the hell are we going to do the rest of the damn day? And you cut, you kind of hit that point. And you know what? I know that I'm going to hit that point a week from Monday. I would not hit that point as early as I'm going to, if it was this coming Monday, because I would be like, look, we all stayed up, had a bunch of fun. You got to play with your buddy. It's all nine or 10 o'clock at night, which almost never happens. I got to watch the last football game of the year and act like a total child for about four hours and then have to snap back into real life adult with responsibilities. And we're just going to chill and have a good time on Monday. But instead we're going to have to get up the ass crack of dawn, get this kid to school. He's going to be tired. We're all going to be cranky, but attitudes, everything. Ooh, that's another benefit of us watching from home is our kids are, our kids are going to be the two well-rested kids at Rick Perry elementary school in Cedar park on Monday. Cause they'll be going to bed at their usual bedtime. It'll be, We'll get to watch the Super Bowl halftime show, and then it's bedtime. That'll be right around 8 o'clock. So what's the age? I'm, I'm curious about this because I kind of remember when it was for me with my dad. What's the age where you're going to let them like stay up? Or is it kind of a combination of the age and also how hard they push back and how much they push the right buttons for you emotionally as a dad to want to watch the game with you? Great is question. there a certain – because there's multiple factors. It, it has happened already, but it's dependent on the game. So they got to stay up to watch the, let's see, the the UT women's volleyball team. The championship game was in the afternoon, I believe. They got to watch the semifinal matchup, which was a late game. But they got to stay up for that one. And they got to stay up for the clincher for the Texas Rangers over the D-backs in early November. Vivi hit eject about inning six or seven. Calvin stayed up to the end, although he was on the struggle bus by the end. (laughs) And there's been a few other moments like that where it's like, all right, you know what? You guys want to stay up right now. You can stay up. Oh, the, um, there was a Texas football game that they got to stay up for. Alabama. There was a game this year. I was at the semifinal game. So I I told Justine I had no issues with them staying up to watch that one. But that one started at their bedtime. That started at eight o'clock, essentially. So there was no way that they were going to make it through that one. Yeah. Some of these games, especially if they're on the West Coast, or like I didn't even factor that in growing up on the West Coast, which also is a different, it's a little bit different with that too, because the Super Bowl was starting at, 330. So, you know, even yeah. then it would be like, all right, put put you down to bed like as soon as this game's over at 7:30 or 8, you know. So it pretty quickly got to like, okay, you're 10 years old, like you can stay up past 7:30. Yeah. But different here on Central Time. So living in the Pacific time zone for what amounted to about 15 months, I despised watching sports on the West Coast because of how big a difference it was when games started. College football games are starting at 9 a.m. NFL games are starting at 10. And then everything ends entirely too early. It was worse in Hawaii, although I've got a funny story for you about that here shortly, because Hawaii is, what, three hours behind Pacific time. Well, you have to, like, wreck your sleep schedule to do that. Exactly. 
So the the exception for that, though, watching games on the West Coast was the Super Bowl. I actually really enjoyed the Super Bowl starting mid-afternoon and being done at a reasonable hour, too. Yeah. Well, and Sunday night football is always nice like that. So, CB, you love 9 a.m. kickoffs. This was three kids or any real responsibility for me on the weekends. 9 a.m. is for sleeping in. So that was... That was not an era where Texas was playing a ton of 11 a.m. games, but there were a few. That was 2009. Or wait, no, that was 2008. So there were a few, and it was uh, it was a little bit frustrating having to wake up for that 11 o'clock game at 9 versus the typical 11 o'clock. Yeah, I I loved it personally, but also <laughs> I never I never lived there as an adult. But as yeah. a as a kid, it was cool and it's the only time I've had to set an alarm to watch games unless it's getting up to watch some sort of, you know, British open or uh, golf tournament overseas, tennis tournament overseas or something that I might want to watch. That's, that's what I have to do now is set the alarm for the middle of the night. And I've got to really want to watch it to do that at three, four in the morning, whenever it might start. Um, but back in the day for, from probably like age 15 to 18, because I got to that teenager phase where you would stay up late on weekends, then you would sleep in for the NFL. I would actually have to set an alarm for like nine 55 to wake up in time for the games. And then I would walk, walk out of my room into the living room. My dad would have like the Raider game ready to go, <laughs> which is kind of, kind of crazy to think on now because obviously I wake up way earlier as a adult with responsibilities, like most of us. And doesn't start till another two hours after that on the current time zone I'm in. That is a good point. And but now it's like I'm waiting all day with my current schedule. Like. like even though Justine and I do get to sleep in on weekends, like we tell the kids, just be quiet, don't hurt each other, don't cause a bunch of problems. We're gonna sleep in. You're not allowed to come into our room until we call you into our room. Still only sleeping in till like eight at the absolute latest. So now I would probably be better suited for those nine a.m. kickoffs. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, like. Yeah, 9 a.m. would be all right now. But it's that's still really damn early to watch a football game. So Justine and I went to Maui. Gosh, this would have been... Been married 11 years. So this would have been 12 years ago. We went to Maui, and it was one of the Patriots-Giants Super Bowls. And we got there on a Saturday late i want to say and so our very first day there was actually super bowl sunday oh so the super bowl there because it's five hours behind where we are right now started at like two uh let's see it started at noon so the super bowl watching the super bowl would have taken up the second half of our entire first day in hawaii so we chose to just not watch the super bowl that year and I took it to the degree of wanting to, uh, I'm all about that human experimentation. If you haven't been able to gather that by now, by watching and listening to me on this channel, Texas sports unfiltered folk, I decided to run an experiment, Jeff, and see how long I could go without knowing who won that year's Super Bowl. To see if I could make it. Cause we were there for a week to see if I could make it through what, what year was this the following Saturday? This would have been. 2012 i believe let me double check this right now let me guess i bet you went 
I bet you found out Monday, Monday midday. Monday midday, okay. Yeah, like basically like 24 hours after the game ended. 24, that's a great guess. Let me get to the Super Bowl, make sure this is the right one. Yep, it was the New York Giants upsetting the New England Patriots 21 to 17. Is that the David Tyree catch? Was that that year? So. Missed a good one. That's yeah, 2017, 21 17. Uh, you know, <laughs> some drama at the end. Iconic moment. Most iconic catch in Super Bowl history. Um, I made it all week. Now, granted, I was having to conduct myself like, I don't know, like I wasn't my soon-to-be wife's fiancé, like I was her autistic brother, plugging my ears and making noises at times when I heard people starting to talk about the game. I mean... <laughs> but I made it the full week. Okay, well, you went to extreme circumstances to make sure you didn't. That's I was testing myself to see yeah. if I could make it the entire week, and I did. And it's funny because we got back to Chicago late on Saturday because the time change. It's almost impossible not to get back to wherever you're heading home to at night. We got back late and literally on the subway ride home to get back to where our apartment was. Somebody said something about the Giants beating the Patriots. Somebody was walking around like with something on their head. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Imitating the catch. Like what is this person doing? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I can't be- believe the Giants beat the Patriots. Why are you really saying this a week later? Like what is wrong with you? You're having to say that to somebody a week later. It should have gotten that uh, that that cliched conversation out on Monday and Tuesday. You know. Yeah, that is. Talking about the Super Bowl. I guess, hey, times have changed in the 12 years since then. Yeah. And in the way that we, the speed of which we consume our information. Oh, this is crazy to think about. Roy, I don't know if you actually served in the military. You just know this factoid. On Guam, Super Bowls are on early Monday mornings. So the U.S. has a naval base there, I believe. So the. It's a fantastic uh, picture, too. Servicemen and women. Yeah, that is a really cool picture. Is that of a shrimp? Yeah. Somebody's head, eyes bulging out on a shrimp. Makes me hungry. So who do you think wins the game itself? Uh, Trey, I'm so completely and utterly mind effed after this playoffs. I had such a good regular season went undefeated and ever since I sent you that damn text that I wanted to take a victory lap for how well I did wildcard weekend. I just been getting smacked around by the gambling gods. So I truly have no idea. I mean, I'm honestly more at the point where I don't even know if I'm going to bet the game. I might take a couple of those stupid ass props that I just mentioned and just have fun with those. I want to do the par three contest one, but then the more I think about it, I don't really want to hang up $15 on my sports book until Wednesday of master's week. That doesn't really sound like that much fun for a $10 payout, but kind of just gotten to the point where I think I might place a couple, like, look, something will happen. And I, I don't know. It'll hit me that it's super bowl Sunday and 
I won't be able to help myself because I have no self-discipline and I'm a pathetic human being. And then I'll go in and place like seven bets on the Super Bowl for $10 each just to have some skin in the game. But I really just am like, I kind of just want Kyle Shanahan to get a Super Bowl. That's honestly what I've sort of come down to, if we're being honest. And I'm not going to be disappointed if Mahomes gets a third. I'm I'm fascinated by the storyline we're going to come out of this game with macro wise either way Mahomes having his third you know well before he's 30 years old I think is an awesome storyline in terms of that's going to give us the chasing Tom Brady chasing the goat even as tired as that conversation gets it's going to give us that conversation for a long time moving forward and then on the other side of things you know my you know my affinity for uh defending my guy Brock the Brock the Texas Sports Unfiltered uh, local Brock Purdy apologist right here. People then, have taken their hatred of Brock Purdy to the degree that now he's being accused of assassinating JFK or looking like the guy who assassinated JFK. I mean, some <laughs> of this, and, and I get it that it's the Super Bowl, especially the media day, it becomes a shit show and it becomes a spectacle. I've covered one of those in my life. I went, when I was in Jackson, I went and did a Malcolm Butler story because he's from Vicksburg. It was his second Super Bowl. So was, did, you know, went with a local story, went and talked to him. He was big enough, obviously given the, this interception a few years ago to, or before that to, to have people around him, but not have like the full podium. So I went and did a story on that. And even there, man, like it's such a shit show of people where you're like, how did this person get a credential and the questions that they're asking, I'm not saying everybody needs to be the most buttoned up and you know, top button, button, tie your tie, wear a suit. Not everybody needs to be that. But when we're asking questions, like some of these questions that were asked to Brock Purdy, I do have an issue with that. I do take issue with the quarterback participating in the Super Bowl, having to ask questions about his supposed doppelganger being someone that assassinated a president. Yes, I do have an issue with that. So that's that's become, you know, I think we've gone over the edge in spectacle of the, the media portion of this. And it kind of, kind of gives the rest of the media a bad name a little bit. Well, I wouldn't have an issue with it if it was accurate. He doesn't look like Lee Harvey Oswald. Even if it was, why are you asking him about that? He's about to play in the Super Bowl. The Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift questions are totally fair game. Those are fair game. You're Travis Kelsey, two-time Super Bowl champion, and, you know, the second most famous tight end on earth behind Gronk, at least at this moment. Um, well, maybe even more, but, you know, popularity-wise, Gronk's the closest closest competitor at that position. And that's fair game. You're dating the most successful woman in the world right now, you know, the biggest pop star in the world too. But that question of Brock Purdy, come on, man. Like, What are we doing? Like I, I was, I thought I was rolling my eyes at the game manager questions. And well, then he got, and then he got that. And I was like, wow, that's nothing. Well, it's back to the conversation that we had or the start of today's conversation. I should say, it's like trying to come up with that most original question 
or that viral moment. And I guess congratulations to that person for coming up with that viral moment because we've all talked about it this week, but I've only talked about it to say that was, was a stupid question one, but it's not even a very, it's not even accurate. That's my biggest problem with the question more so than it being a dumb waste of a question. Cause I get that's what, the, that's just what the nature of that beast is. Yeah. And whoever it's, asked that just wanted to go viral to your point. It did. And they did. Congratulations. You did it. I hope it was worth it. Right. right. Actually, I hope it wasn't worth it. Yeah. If it was, they might do it again. I hope you brought on all sorts of negative publicity to yourself as a result of your stupid take in question. Well, yeah. I hope my guy manages the hell out of the game on Sunday. See, I think this is where here I come, the TSU Brock hater. I think this is where his erratic play comes to hurt comes comes back to hurt them finally. Like it's the the damage been has been pretty minimal for some of the really bad moments he's had in the first halves or at moments in these last two games. This is where I think the opposition takes advantage and turns those into interceptions, let's say flips the field and is able to score pretty quickly off of that. And the chiefs, unlike the Detroit lions are not a team that you're going to be as likely to come back on if they do build bit of a lead two plus score lead the only reason i i disagree is because i think i think the niners are going to do exactly what the ravens we all believe should have done especially given that the ravens were statistically the best rushing team in football during the regular season i think it's going to be so much christian mccaffrey so many different ways to get debo samuel the ball you know, you're always concerned about Debo Samuel, just the way he plays. The dude can't take his foot off the gas. He's so big, so physical. And he's a little bit prone to getting banged up with shoulder injury from earlier in the playoffs. That's not a concern right now. Like, it seems like he's ready to go. They are going to get Debo Samuel the ball a million different ways. Ways that I don't think are going to involve Brock Purdy even having to put the ball in harm's way. They're going to do the same thing with McCaffrey. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to do that with Ayuk because – I assume Snead will be on Ayuk, and I think Snead's the best cornerback in football. But I just don't see the game playing out where it comes down to Brock Purdy making making a huge mistake, unless it's like the Baker Mayfield pick that Baker threw when they were down eight and got the ball back, no timeouts against Detroit in the divisional round. And you're like, okay, he threw a pick, and it wasn't a good pick, but there was still a lot that needed to happen there, and he played really well the rest of the game. Like I could see it maybe ending like that, but I don't think it's going to be like a three interception Brock Purdy game because I don't even know if it's he's going to be put in that type of situation. And I do think that how slow they started the first two games will make it even more of a point of emphasis to start fast. Like they know, hey, we got away with this against the Packers. We got away with this against the Lions. We are not going to get away with this against Patrick Mahomes. Like the way that they came back the last two games – is what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs used to do to people when they fell behind to the Texans 24-0 and other times in the playoffs, the Bills. They've made these ridiculous comebacks in previous years. Like I, I think the Niners are going to make it a point to just go to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel all the time. Um, and I think that's why I know running backs don't typically win the MVP, but Christian McCaffrey at 4.5 or 5-1 to, to win the Super Bowl MVP I think is I think is a really good bet. 
The only issue with that is if you think the Chiefs are going to win, then you can't really make that bet. But if you're fine just throwing $10, $20 on there to win 40 or win 80, 50, 100, whatever, I think that's a good bet because I could see him I could see him getting the ball in so many different ways, getting 35 touches. And then if Purdy's stat line is 22 of 36 for 207 yards, a touchdown and interception, but McCaffrey rushes for two touchdowns over a hundred yards and also has 80 receiving yards. They're going to give him the MVP. I agree with your assessment that Kyle Shanahan realizes how his bread is buttered on offense and he's going to cater to that. while also trying to minimize the risk for Brock Purdy in this game, especially early on. He'll allow him more opportunities throughout the course of the game, assuming that he's comfortable with the little bit that Brock Purdy is asked to do. But this does need to be the Christian McCaffrey show and the Debo Samuel show to a lesser degree for the 49ers. Get Kittle involved, of course, and Ayuk and Jennings to a slightly lesser degree than some of those other guys, but it begins and ends with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the guy, does he still have that touchdown streak going? I mean, the guy scores a touchdown in every game that he plays. And a lot of those games, he, he scores multiple touchdowns. That's I not think the- it was, I think it was snapped late in the regular season, right. but then he started a new streak, started a new streak. So he's going to score at least once on Saturday. And there's a good chance he scores more than that. You know, I was talking props with uh, with with my buddy from Nesson. Let's see, he he sent me some of these props. As a matter of fact, and one of the props is the first touchdown would be a rushing touchdown was plus one twenty five. Feels like mm. a pretty good bet to make there. Yeah, because well, I guess it does depend, but you know, San Francisco is going to try and grind out a drive, and if they do and they get close, McCaffrey's going to be the guy that gets the ball in the end zone. I guess there's an outside chance it could be Debo Samuel. But even still, if that's the circumstance and they're, say, a rounder inside the five and Debo scores a touchdown, it's not going to be throwing. It's going to be on a jet sweep or something. And this, I'm looking at McCaffrey's game log right now, and he had, against Detroit, 20 carries for 90 yards, two touchdowns, uh, four catches, 42 yards, 17 carries against Green Bay, 98 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions for 30 yards. And those numbers are, I'm not going to say way up, but I mean, in the last couple games of the regular season, 14 carries, 14 carries, 18, 16, 17, 19. Like this is the game where there's nothing to save these guys for. I mean, Captain Obvious, but it's true. Like with the injury, the bad injury luck that the Niners had last year, it was understandable the way that Shanahan was likely managing the team in his own mind and his own way of, Hey, you know, we had all these guys get banged up last year. Brock Purdy didn't finish the playoff game in the NFC championship. So we've got to keep these guys healthy. Quarterback props are another one that I always like in the playoffs because it's do or die. It's they're not telling these guys, Hey, save yourself. There's nothing to save yourself for. It's like, it's like the starting pitchers and everyone worried about the bullpen with the Rangers in the postseason. I mean, you have to have a certain number of pitchers, but in baseball, it doesn't matter. If you have three or four relievers and you have enough good starting pitching, you don't need to go seven deep because the strategy is different. Same thing here with quarterback rushing props. I mean, Brock Purdy's gone over his rushing props in both their playoff games because the dude's going to run when he has to run. And we ran for almost 40 yards in, in the NFC Championship game. You can make an argument that at the end there, his legs 
he made some big throws, but his legs were really what kind of sealed it for them at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think we're on the same page there with how we think the game plan is going to go. And yeah, it's the obvious game plan, but either way, either side, you have to, you know, dance, dance with the one that, that brung you. That is true. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk a little Texas basketball. They've got a game tomorrow against West Virginia here in Austin. The roller coaster ride does continue. First, though, a word from our friends at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous Hill Country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. That's right. Thank you to Cover B Cave and thank you to Audiovisual Consultations. This is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. Or online at abconsultations.com. And a quick word from my guy Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, and his company, Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it kind of hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. The Texas men's basketball team is back in action tomorrow at home against West Virginia. Then they actually get a week off before traveling to Houston to face a very tough Cougars team. They had a chance to beat here in Austin a couple weeks ago. Jeff, another game earlier this week, another up and down performance from a Texas team who unfortunately could not claw their way all the way back in the end despite a heroic effort from Dylan DeSue in the second half. And a better overall effort defensively. Texas finishes a six-game stretch against ranked opponents at 500, three and three, which is better than I think a lot of people predicted at the start of said stretch. I have never covered a team that has simultaneously made me look like a genius, and then the next game, the biggest idiot on the face of the earth. Like every time I say something about this team. It comes to fruition, and then I say something else about this team, and then the <clears throat> complete opposite happens, <clears throat> and that's what we've that's what we've seen with this. Uh, excuse me. 
it's not me getting emotional about this Texas basketball team. I promise. <laughs> uh, not not me getting me emotional about the roller coaster ride that that they've they've put us all on. But all the stuff we talked about Monday then didn't happen at all on Tuesday. <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't dominate the glass again. They got crushed on the offensive glass. Dylan Mitchell's offensive game and development there that we were marveling at completely disappeared. I don't know what's going on with Tyrese Hunter. Um, I've got to go. I've got to go listen again to the Rodney Terry. Um, he did a media availability today. I've got to go listen to that again because that's what I'd like to talk about in the six o'clock sportscast tonight. Is like what's going on with Tyrese? I mean, zero for eight shooting, and the ups and downs are just really, really going to hurt this team. So I, I don't really know. I don't really even know what to say to, about tomorrow. I do feel like, in a weird way, it's it's almost even more important than the Iowa State game was. Like, and again, these things always change because if you just go on surface level of like, uh, like if they win, if they beat West Virginia by a good margin and look good tomorrow, like when the next week we go into the next week, go into that Houston game, we talk again Monday and Friday next week. Trey, we'll just be going. Like, all right, they went one and one there. They got a chance to beat Houston again. They're on the road, tough game. That's all we'll look at it as. But it's when you break down these games, like just game by game, it's just totally different. And I, I just keep going like, God, if Dylan DeSue just, if Dylan DeSue doesn't go nuclear at the end of that game, like we're, we're sitting here going like they looked pathetic the entire time. I mean, they made a little bit of a run, but they just left themselves no margin for error at the end of it. And look, Max Asmus, was due he was due for a bad game like like guys are gonna have a bad game here and there Dylan DeSue before the season's over will probably have a stinker I I hope he doesn't but you know the numbers and basketball and just sports in general tell us he's probably gonna have a bad game somewhere and you can't have but you can't have like the bad game for Tyrese Hunter happen the same game that happens for Max Asmus and the bad game for Hunter is a scoreless, a goose egg in that column. I know he had seven assists and he made an impact in other ways, but gosh, man, like they've just got to find a way to get more out of him offensively because this isn't a team that's good enough collectively to beat good teams when one of those three or four best players is is just playing really bad on the offensive side. I've been beating the Tyrese Hunter needs the ball in his hands more, bringing the ball up the court and on offense all season long. He should not have been in the game at the end there. I know he was. I know he's looked at as a leader, an upperclassman leader on this basketball team, but that was a low point for him. Hopefully it is the low point. Hopefully it's the rock bottom and he figures something out and is able to wake up and is a better man and a better player forward as a result of this. I just don't know what to think about him right now. I think that he is lost in his own head and it's really hard to get through to a guy at times, especially when you are reluctant to put too much trust in him because you do have that other ball handle with Ace Miss. Let's remember this about Ace Miss too, though. He wasn't having a great game before he caught fire in the last two and a half minutes of Saturday's contest, which uh, allowed them to seal the deal against TCU. He was having a pretty pedestrian game up to that point as well, but he did get it turned around and uh, he did have an off night. And so it's some combination of those secondary guys needs to be that third option. 
most nights, even when both other dudes are good, because you can't keep relying on heroic efforts by one player to win games against the best competition on your schedule. That is a recipe for a lot more losses than wins. Heck, they got it out of Dylan DeSue on Tuesday, and they still lost that game. Ace Miss, you know, that was a game that they were up for much of it, but they got Ace Miss's heroics to help put TCU away on Saturday. It needs to be more of a combination of guys than an individual effort because, to repeat myself, that is not sustainable. That is not how you consistently win basketball games. It needs to be a team effort on both ends of the floor, but especially on offense for this team right now because they seem very lost if the ball is not going through either Ace Miss or Dylan DeSue. Here are Tyrese Hunter's scoring outputs since he scored 21 points on January 20th against Baylor and hit the game-winning shot. Five points, 10 points, five points, six points, goose egg. Like, it is – I mean, it's honestly impressive that they still went three and three in that stretch when you're saying from your third best player who's been in the program for over a year now – is in his second season in the program and had, you know, ironically in this case, we're talking about the Iowa state game had a big 12 freshman of the year and sweet 16 season at Iowa state in his first year that they went three and three against ranked teams when he was doing that. So honestly, some of that, like in, in one sense, you know, guy on this shoulder says, well, that that's not a great sign for the rest of the season. The guy on this shoulder says, well, the positive guy says, Hey, I guess it could only get better from there. Like as long as there's not something going on that we don't know about where he's either hurt or just completely out of it mentally where he's just checked out. I don't think that's the case. I don't think Tyrese is that kind of guy from, you know, a year and a half covering him and um, just knowing what we all know about him. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I will say too, for a guy who, and most of the guys on this team are, are this way, he does not show any sort of negative emotion, pouting, woe is me, because um, I'm right there on the baseline. And actually a couple times I had a really good view of him in the huddle. He was sitting down, locked into the huddle, talking to guys, staying staying upbeat. After the game in the handshake line, I don't know what he said, but TJ Otzelberger talked to Tyrese for quite a minute, like held up the handshake line for probably – 15 20 seconds hmm. which is a lot more than those guys normally say to each other in those lines it's 99 of the time it's it's gracious and hey great game good to see you or whatever i don't know what he told him but i would imagine it was some of the effect of like you're a good player keep your head up you know because everyone knows like he was playing his former team he went scoreless the way the fans treated him when he went back there last year like <clears throat> obviously you know and I've, I've talked a couple weeks ago about how maturely he handled that so Based on what I've seen from Tyrese, I think he's a good enough player. We've seen it from him, and I think he's mature enough dude to bounce back from this. With this team, we've talked a lot this year about different things, whether they were on the court, off the court, end of the game, handshake lines, things, you know, different examples of instances, you know, maybe lighting a fire into these guys' asses. And and you hope that that's what happens for Tyrese. You hope that, you know, he's in the right state of mind to, to bounce back from this. So. We'll, we'll see moving forward, though, because this team is – I don't think this team is going to accomplish much of anything. That's not a hot take at all if he doesn't turn this around. And they don't start getting at least what he's averaging this year. I mean, his averages are 
basically 11 points a game, you know, a couple boards and four and a half assists. Like if they can get that from him, that's, that's winning basketball. If they continue to get this, you know, Dylan DeSue, who's looking like one of the best players in college basketball. And then same with Max Asimus. Yeah. And Tyrese was, or I'm sorry, TJ was Tyrese's uh, coach his first year at Iowa state too. So that would make sense as to why he's stopping him in line. And maybe he sees the struggles and does it suck that Tyrese isn't playing for him anymore? Absolutely. I mean, he helped him get to a sweet 16 after all for Pete's sake, but uh, TJ is a, the type of coach that strikes me as somebody who cares much more about the individuals than any one outcome. So that, that's cool to hear that he stopped him and was trying to help him out, help, help out a guy, a former player who's clearly uh, going through some, some struggles right now. Yeah. And this game, Trey, I mean, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up the schedule real quick for, for Texas the rest of the way, but there's, <laughs> I don't want to call them guaranteed losses, but there's, couple losses left on this schedule. You know, it's not like Texas could just run the table the rest of the way with the eight games they have left in Big 12 play, which is what makes this game at home against <clears throat> one of the worst teams in the league that you lost to earlier in the year, and it was a bad loss at that. You know, they let spiral into that next loss against UCF. But I mean, after that, you have at Houston, and then home versus Kansas State. They're a team struggling right now. That's a game that you should win at Lawrence to face Kansas. That's a place that not many people win at Texas tech. You know how they're going to act when Texas comes to town and they've got a good team this year, home versus Oklahoma state. And then at Baylor, that's probably a coin flip, but you'd lean Baylor just given that it's in Waco and then home versus, versus Oklahoma. So there's about four games on that schedule. The Oklahoma game at the end, the Kansas state game, the West Virginia game, uh, well, I guess what that's that's three right there. So I would say it's probably three games that that these guys really should win. <laughs> yeah, and the Oklahoma or uh, Oklahoma is unranked right now. The home schedule is much easier than the road schedule by far. So you need to start taking care of business at home, win all of those games, and figure out a way to win a couple of those games on the road. Now, bracketology came out earlier today. I just checked it. They updated a seven seed right now slated to play number 10 A&M. That would be a fun one, I guess. Although I know nothing about the A&M basketball team, just the, uh, the basic idea of having those rivals come together in the NCAA tournament, like what happened a few years ago, but Texas seems pretty solidly in right now. So it would take a lot to screw that up. But if you start dropping these very winnable games at home over the next couple of weeks, before we get to the big 12 tournament, you will quickly find yourself, fighting for your postseason life. Yeah. I don't know if they've done enough just yet to, to uh, be able to slip over the last few weeks and and not have it cost them uh, certainly spots, uh, certainly rankings in the tournament, but maybe a spot altogether. Well, and that's what I mean about the pressure mounting even more for these games here, where you now look back and go, you let two quad one wins slip away against Iowa state, who I think is a three or four seed. And you had, and you let one slip away against Houston, who is a one or a two seed, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> in the latest bracketology. So you let those two games slip away. No one's really going to hold that against you. But like we're saying, it does now add even more pressure onto those games with what a four and six conference record right now. And we go through the schedule. 
So if they get the West Virginia game, they get the Kansas State game, they get the Oklahoma State game, let, let's even give them the OU game. So if we're giving them those four games, that's eight wins. Now just to get to 500 in conference play, which, again, I'm pretty sure eight and ten in this year in this league with the wins they have, I think that gets them in. But still, that's assuming they win all four of those games. Unlikely that that's going to happen because you could still lose to anybody in this Big 12. You now throw in, okay, the pressure there would be to get to, to you got to get one at Houston, at Kansas, or at Texas Tech, or at Baylor. <laughs> just to get just to get to nine and nine in Big 12 play to get to 500. Like, so it just, you just give yourself less wiggle room in these games. I mean, they've already, they've already blown some winnable games. So I think they'll win tomorrow. I really do. But you got to, they'll never say this, but it kind of feels like a game you got to get. It feels like a, not a must win game, but a game that you really, really would, would want to get. You don't want to have to sit on losing back to back home games for an entire week before you then have to go play Houston after that at their place. Yeah. And you've been good on the road this year. That's a different beast though, as is having to travel to Kansas as well. Just uh, a week after that, (laughs) it's consecutive Saturdays with a a Kansas state game in between where you're at Houston at Kansas. And the very next game after Kansas, three days later is at Texas tech too. Yeah, and look, I think uh, Tech game, Baylor game, hell, even the Houston game, I don't think they're going to win in Kansas. I just think that's such a tough place to win. Um, but I think could they win one of those four games? Yes, I would I would bet that they, w- that they will steal one of those four games. But also if they go 0-4 in those games, even as, like you said, as good as they've been on the road, that's not going to surprise anybody if they lose all four of those games on the road against ranked teams and we know how everybody, again, it's something that I've said I roll my eyes at, that Texas gets everyone's best shot. But especially this year, in Lubbock, in Waco, like, and this is no offense to baseball, softball, or any of the other sports, this is the last chance that a big-time Baylor program has with a packed house to really go get a marquee win over Texas in a big-time sport. You know, in a sport where at least the the house is going to be completely packed. Like, you know, they didn't get it in football. They didn't get it in women's basketball. So now they got to get it in men's basketball. And that place is going to be, Foster Pavilion is going to be insane for that game. Tech's going to be the same exact way. Houston's going to be the same exact way. And frankly, Kansas is always an insane place to play. (laughs) That's my rambling way of saying it's going to be some really hard games. So yeah, steal, steal one of those, and that'll be impressive. We'll see if Rodney Terry's bunch is up to it. They were up to the task in a way over the last six games, and so you uh, need to take care of business tomorrow. You get a quick breather, and then you got another sh- tough stretch coming up. Okay, we're going to end with Super Bowl talk, combination of the game itself, but also uh, some things surrounding the Super Bowl itself. You were to power rank. We love power rankings here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. Love it. The aspects around the Super Bowl. We're talking the actual football, the food, the Super Bowl halftime show, the commercials. Am I missing anything? 
It seems like you know? the, the four main things there. The gambling? <laughs> the gambling, yes. We'll throw the gambling in there. How do you power rank those five things? Uh, number one, the football. Number two, the football. Number three, the food. Number four, the football. And number five, the food. Oh, sorry, the gambling. I do love gambling. I was like, I knew I missed one in there. The one I threw in there is number five. Which do you <laughs> care less about then? The commercials or the halftime show? The halftime show. You care less I, about the halftime show. But I'm I'm not like, I'll say this, and I know this is going to be surprising for a lot of people that have listened for as long as we've been doing this show now. Like, I'm not cranky about it. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, it's one of the few things that are like, I don't care but I'm not like the guy that has to ruin it for everybody else or the guy that gets annoyed that so, so many people that don't care about football are into this game or what, whatever it is. But that's why I said, I, I just remove myself from those situations where I'm just like, just want to watch the game. And if a commercial makes me laugh while I'm sitting there watching or going up to make another drink or get some more food, then, then that's great. Like I'll say like, Actually, all right, to give you real power rankings now, not the smart-ass power rankings. The football's number one, the food's number two, the gambling's number three, the commercial's four, and then the halftime show, five. But all those things that I care about, like, I get why other people like them. Like, Jasmine's always excited, especially Usher this year. Shit, I don't blame her. It's a good-looking dude. Guy can sing. Like, enjoy it. Like, it, it brings people together. That stuff's fun. But for me, I just... Don't don't really care like about what the Super Bowl halftime show does or or any any of those things. So you have a frozen Detroit style pizza in the freezer right now. Got some beer in the fridge too. Is that what you said you were drinking beer? Very- yeah, I got some I got some Modelo's in the fridge, um, and then I got like my go to. I'm gonna sound like a sorority girl here. I I got a couple couple White Claws in there. And then I, I'll do uh, some some vodka sodas. Okay, vodka sodas. There we go. We'll, we'll settle on a vodka soda. <laughs> so that's, the vodka sodas are mainly what I'll do. Like, I'll start with those. Well, and then also, sorry, I got to have the uh, double Irish coffee for the Phoenix Open. Oh, that's right. The double Irish coffee. Okay. So, so you're not doing anything else food-wise. It's just going to be the Detroit-style pizza? And then I've got... Um, I've got some easy like wings that I make just super easy recipe in the air fryer and I'll probably make, you know, five, six of those just to have those Mm -hmm. got some barbecue chips. Um, I'm all about the dips, but there's gotta be more people around to do those. Or it has to be like if Jasmine specifically requested like, Hey, I want you to make a dip or go get a dip. And they were going to be there the entire game or something was a specific request. Then I would, I would throw that in there. Uh, got some for dessert. Got some. Got some cookies. Some cookies too. What? What? Are, hold on. We need to go back to the dips for a second because I'm not a huge dip guy. Super Bowl party or not? What dip are we going with? What's my dip? Yeah. I mean, I love love queso. Obviously, that's a good one. Guac. And a a really good spinach and artichoke dip. Okay. With with like some bread or some crackers. Love that. Um, I'm a fan of a good Buffalo chicken dip too. And yeah. I never even, I never thought to 
to do it with cauliflower, like you said. It is it's beautiful because it's lower guilt too. I don't know about you, but too many tortilla chips is a problem for me. I just start to feel very blah after a while. It's why I'm not a big like chips and salsa person at Mexican restaurants or chips and queso. I like finding something other than that tortilla chip to use. Guac too, big guac guy. But yeah, the chip, the tortilla chips got to be like low salt. Like I want enough salt mm. to where it still tastes good. But sometimes you just get these these salt, these salty chips are just like way too much. Yeah. Siete makes a really good chip. They'll do straight corn chips that are low salt. They'll also do salt with a hint of lime. That's a good alternative also versus the standard tortilla yeah. chip. And if you have, like you mentioned the guilt, like less guilt or guilt free, whatever, whatever you call it. Like I, I don't really care that much about that on Super Bowl Sunday, but I do, I do care because if it makes me feel like crap, exactly then that's like like i don't care about the amount of calories i'm consuming on super bowl sunday like i'll get back in the gym the rest of the week after that and i'm probably not going to do anything like that for i don't know the next special occasion until then um but yeah if it's something that's going to make me feel terrible then i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stop on that but also like the corn tortilla chips some people they're a little healthier i guess but some people don't like those but also if your dip is good enough, it shouldn't, to use your words, the vehicle for the dipping shouldn't matter as much if yeah. the dip's really, really good. Yeah, I've got an additional issue with eating too much for Super Bowl Sunday. We're taking a mini quasi-staycation Wednesday through Friday of next week. By the way, I'm not going to be on Friday's show next week. After I said that, I did I did remember that. What? Oh, I said like when I talk to you next Friday or something. <laughs> Um, hold on one sec. Yes. Middle in the middle of a broadcast right now. What's going on? Just tell CB me. Says the H E B brand French onion dip was the go-to French onion. Good on you. If you like a good French onion dip, that is not my style. Uh, so I've got the added issue of eating too much on Sunday because I've got to be in bathing suit condition because we're going to Kalahari Wednesday through Friday of this next week. Oh, so, let's go. Oh dude. It's you want to talk about an amazing staycation in this city go to kalahari midweek january or february nobody's there you have the run of the place the, all the slides are indoor so it's just about walking those stairs and just doing those fun rides over and over and over again so we we live so close or we've lived so close for the last what year and some change so I've kind of been like, ah, I don't know if like if we're going to spend money, especially after we got the house and we're doing the wedding. I was like, I don't know if we're going to do Cal <clears throat> do Kalahari, but I've heard the same thing from a bunch of different people that it's just it's awesome. And especially in this like off season, you'll be like 10 minutes from us, Trey. Is that right? Well, we'll wave from our hotel room. Sorry, I am. I'm Friday. I'm falling apart over here. I don't know what's I don't know what's going on, but thankfully I got these handy. What is that? A little cough drop. Oh, are you coughing? Is that what's going on? Yes, and then my voice is just like giving out. Not not ideal given my uh, my my line of work here. No, not ideal at all. Well, I hope hope that gets better for you, man. Yeah. Well, I I got my best people on it. <laughs> you got your best cough drops on it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so what? What's the uh, 
I guess the 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 water park is that is that the hit with the kids at Kalahari? Yeah, yeah, that's that, and they've got this big video game area too. The tomfoolery, tomfoolery. They've got some pretty good restaurants in there. They've got the steakhouse that's solid. Also, this uh, this taqueria type place. Um, they've apparently added something this year that is, you know, the claw machines. Like the video games or like the games in the Their arcade? Games. Yeah, they've got yeah. a human claw version of that where you get strapped in and you get dropped down over a bunch of prizes. So you, you try and hold on to a prize for dear life. And if you can hold on, then you get the prize. <laughs> that's what the kids are most excited about this year is getting to do that. I'm like, I don't know about y'all. There, there are some, there are a few rides there that are just a lot of fun. Wait, so, wait. I have no interest in doing again. The, the slide that drops like straight down 12 stories. I've done that one enough in my life. I did it last year because this is an annual trip for us. I don't need to do that one again. It's not fun for me. Like the swimsuits going up the crack. You got to do your feet a certain way. Otherwise you're getting water in your face the entire time. I'm good with that one. My kids are champing at the bit to do that one. I like doing the raft ones that get you going pretty fast. And yeah, th- those are the fun ones for me. Not the ones that are, you're just holding, you're not even holding on. You're just sliding on for dear life, sliding down for dear life. Your kids are also old enough now too, where you don't have to do every ride with them. No, they do a lot on their own. There's sometimes we, the adults are just uh, sitting and doing, enjoying an adult beverage. They also have the, uh, the mini surf set up too. You can get out there on a, like a little boogie board and you can't, I don't know if people actually stand up. You get on your knees though, and you can kind of surf around. That's fun. I love Another thing that never has a line that is always probably an hour long line. If you're going during the weekends or spring break or something like that. Well, the price is different too, right? The price is cheaper. That is true. That's what I'm all about. We'll take that. Yeah. So that's on the docket for us next week. Sounds like a good way to uh, mourn the end of the football season. Yes, more in the end of the football season with the water park. All about it. <laughs> with an indoor water park. My, uh, my red, I'm not, I don't consider myself that big of a redneck, but I have redneck sensibilities, I think, from growing up in Texas. Water parks are one of those. Or jumping off of something high into water is something that I love doing. That is a big, like, Texas lake activity, it seems. Yes, Texas lakes. Uh, the rope swings into the Guadalupe River, although the river's so low now, that's not really a possibility anymore. Things like that. Yeah, jumping off of cliffs into water. Very stupid idea, but people love doing it, myself included. I'll tell you what I uh, didn't realize I was missing until I did it. Tubing. I mean, tubing on, on the river in San Marcos, that... Because we don't... <clears throat> I mean, maybe they do that in California. I just didn't do it growing up, but... <laughs> it's not like... It doesn't seem to be as part of like it's almost part of like the central Texas culture is like tubing's like a huge activity, you know. The first time I went, man, I I did a let's put it this way, I I did not properly space out the beverages. Mm, and do it. and you don't you don't realize like how much you're getting baked by the sun and that the yeah. sun is basically adding like whatever one beer's worth of effect would be, it's like adding another half beer's effect every half an hour, hour you're in the sun. 
That would be that would be my that'd be my scientifically data driven proven formula for tubing there. Well, you're also sitting down for however many hours too. And so you get up not realizing what's going on. Yeah. And then you do get up or you inevitably fall out of the tube at some point if it picks up and you're like, feels like somebody just like slapped you across the face. Pretty much. Hey, you didn't do your, uh, I know you, you gave me the rundown on your Super Bowl, your plan, but you didn't give me your power ranking mm. of those five. I'll go food, gambling, game, commercials, halftime show. But I also look at it like you do. Like, if you like some of that other stuff, good for you. I just, yeah. I don't, maybe I'll go halftime show commercials. Cause I don't, I, I don't, I care so much less about the commercials now than I did 10 years ago. Cause you can see all the commercials online if you want to. See, I just think they're they're quick, they're funny a lot of the time, like they're memorable. And I don't know, with the halftime show, it's just it just doesn't like I can't even explain like why I don't really care, but I get why people that love music, like, hey, like <clears throat> so watch Usher do some crazy stunts, Lady Gaga, the prince from back in the day. So yeah, I mean there are epic performances from over the years. Here's another problem for the Super Bowl though. Like Usher's not Prince. Usher's a blast from the past, but Usher's not Prince, right? He's not <clears throat> he's not Prince, but he's got some bangers. Like he's got some absolute hits from back in the day that I feel like will resonate <clears throat> across like generations. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, you're right about that. It is better because for a while they're just having an issue finding somebody. I mean, they were having to settle on not really second rate pop stars but not people who have had the careers that are worth putting them out there for the super bowl halftime show like katie perry a few years ago Katy perry's fine she's had some hits she's not prince or the rolling stones or janet jackson she's Katy perry yeah justin timberlake put on a good show i, I guess i guess he counts as somebody that's worth it like I think last, he, year, last year, last year was Rihanna. See, I think JT's, I think JT's iconic enough for sure. JT is last year was right. Rihanna though. She was super pregnant. She also did clearly, clearly lip syncing her way through the, uh, through the performance. What do you think about, what do you think about CB's Lil Wayne is lobbying to be next year's halftime show in new Orleans. I know nothing oh it's in new orleans that's cool i know nothing about lil wayne sure yeah get somebody who's from new orleans i think that makes a lot of sense I, if the city has that sort of cultural backbone which new orleans does vegas doesn't vegas is artificial everything God, see he has i'm going through usher's the rolling stone rank what well, number one's not loading of course <clears throat> they rank the usher's best songs Confessions Part Two. How they put number one? You don't have to call. I don't know if that's like a Super Bowl one. What is that one? How does that one go? Um, uh, you don't. You don't have to call. Like I'm gonna be all right tonight. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. 
you're not you're not going to get me on that. I'm not about to try to sing an Usher song on Texas Sports Unfiltered right now. Sorry, can't I can't I can't have that as my voice is already giving out. Maybe maybe another day. I might need ten cough drops here if I'm going to do that. Handle your inner Bob Lou and give me a couple of bars. <laughs> you, you don't know. I see. I was thinking though they were going to play. Uh, oh my gosh, nothing is loading right now. You remind me. Yeah, you know. Now that I think about it, all his songs are kind of like, like love songy in a way. Hmm. <laughs> see, the Bob Careless, the Bob Baloo Careless Whisper, Urban Legend is just, just become. It's become an urban legend. It's become just that. All right, Usher's fifty best songs. I thought, yeah. I mean, yeah. He'll definitely play, yeah. It, it, he may begin and end with yeah. See, that feels like a Super Bowl halftime show, but some of these other ones, like, is that, is that like up? I guess they're all kind of upbeat, but I don't know if some of them are like too love songy. You got it bad. Confessions part two. That's like, I mean, confessions will play just because that that one's super iconic. I don't mind. Make me wanna, you remind me, superstar. I don't know any of these songs other than I don't, yeah. I don't remember superstar off the top of my head. You really don't know those other songs. I would probably recognize them if I heard them, but not based on name alone. No. Damn. I boo. Omg. Let me see if they which. Someone surely has written about which songs they they think. You can actually play. bet on this. I don't. I know. Think that's why I was like, I'm go look at the odds here. Yeah, the first one, the Athletic did a piece. The first one they said is yeah, <clears throat> Confessions Part Two. Uh, they they put the Athletic guest. They did Chance. It's played. They say 100 percent for yeah, 100 percent for Confessions. Good, good, which came out last year. I don't know if I know. I've probably heard it. Just don't know the name. 85%. Okay. You don't have to call 85%. You make me wanna 80%. You remind me 75%. And then it gets down into the 60s mm. with a couple songs I've never even heard of. Okay. Man, all right. A couple guys here that uh, that's a lot of halftime talk for a couple guys that said we don't care about the halftime show. <laughs> Well, we're uh, we're grinding to the end today, so <laughs> we got we got a lot of time. Oh man, I did love have in this club story that I think is uh, worth our time today because you are a man of many opinions. Who? Let's see if I can find this one. Who also uh, likes to go out to eat? You enjoy a good restaurant. I have way too many tabs open, Jeff. This is interesting. <laughs> All right, screw it. I'm just opening a new one here. All right, I have the 16 new rules to modern dining. Oh. So new, there's that many new rules? I apparently so. Wow. Um restaurants that are heavily hyped that are walk-in only, no bookings. So may require hours of a wait, but 
that is what you should be willing to deal with if you want to try this new trendy hot place. Yay or nay? No, I don't want to wait that. Okay, it depends. I don't want to wait that long for food. There's a lot of good food in this city, in the central Texas area. It's why, I've, it's why I mean, Franklin's just always the first one that pops to mind. We talk about waiting for food. It's the reason I've never done Franklin that way. I've <clears throat> had it from, it was catered somewhere at some event or something like that. Very good. I'm sure it'd be even better right after they sliced it, you know, from wherever they hold it after it's smoked and stuff like that. But no, it was very good when I had it. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a wait for forever for food. I would say anything above an hour, I'm pretty much out on. Yes, I'm with you on that. I, I do not like waiting in lines, period, food or otherwise. Franklin's a little bit of a different experience. It's more like a tailgate deal where you bring chairs and beers and breakfast tacos and whatnot. But even still, like it would take a special occasion or somebody coming in from out of town to do that. Yeah, it's that's what I've realized with Franklin is it's totally it's something that gained buzz online with people coming from out of town. And then it just, you know, word of mouth travels. People write about it. The food obviously is out of this world. So you combine all those things. And I think people feel like it's something they should do when they come to Austin or at least in its real heyday. It was like that. Dogs are now being allowed in the dining room more and more. You and I have talked about this before. This is infuriating to me that this is becoming a rule of modern dining. I hate that I even have to ask this question, but apparently it's a rule of modern dining, the acceptance of dogs in the dining room. Are you freaking kidding me? This is one that's going to go by the wayside. This is one that years from now we're going to say, why were people trying to push this as a rule of modern dining? Dogs do not belong in indoor public spaces don't belong in coffee shops or grocery stores or dining rooms. Maybe a dog-friendly patio, outdoor patio at a place. But even still, there needs to be very specific parameters set up. But no, dogs do not belong in the dining room. Outdoor patio on a nice day, like you said, there's certain times where it makes sense and I'm okay with it. I'm cranky, but I'm reasonable. So, all right, you can have the patio. Get that shit out of the dining room. Your dog does not need to be in the dining room unless it's a service animal or a legitimate emotional support animal. Nothing more needs to be said about that. God, (laughs) I am just... And people, again, people think I've now gotten emotional about dogs in dining rooms and the Texas basketball team today. All because whatever, whatever is getting my throat right now is just... Un, about as unrelenting as dog owners trying to make their dogs have the same rights as human beings in this world. Booking deposits and charges for no shows are a part of modern dining. And this is one that I'm actually okay with because I know there are people who squat on multiple reservations at good places in town, especially hot nights to get good places. So yeah, you're going to, get a reservation and you decide to cancel four or less hours out, you might get charged a no-show fee. Perfectly fine. I agree with that as well. I think as long as it's very specific when you make the reservation, hey, you are putting your card in and you have until, similar to hotels, you have 24, 48, 72 hours 
five hours, whatever it may be. I'm totally fine with that. If it's made clear, you know, what, what the time frame is there, because yeah, that's, if somebody's squatting on six different places and then just no showing five of them, and then <clears throat> somebody else can't get in over there, that's not helping other people that are trying to frequent these restaurants that we all, if they're good, hope survive over the long course, of t- over the course of time in a long part of time, you know, that's not helping anyway. That's not helping them make more money. That's not helping more people get to their restaurants. So yeah, that's, that's BS. Some restaurants are starting to ban cell phones in their dining room. Look, it's your business. You're free to, to make that rule if you want to. I think that is uh, cutting yourself out of the game in a sense. You want people taking pictures of those dishes as douchey as that may be at times to completely eliminate that. I think eliminates a sort of free marketing for your restaurant. If you're that proud about the food that you're serving. Yeah, that's, that's a little too far. I'm, I'm fine with rules of don't bring your dog into the dining room. Like don't, yell at the, you know, like just normal things that seem like just normal decency and normal kind of manners that we all, for the most part, agree on as a society. But I don't want to be told what to do if I'm going to go spend $200 at your fancy restaurant. I don't want to be told like, oh, because, you know, oh, the owner's trying to be, oh, he doesn't, this is the vibe he's going for. And I guess as a business owner, like you're welcome to do that, but I'm also welcome to like, and as, as many other people would, tell you to screw off and there's a hundred other good restaurants in this town that we could go to. Yep, exactly. Or restaurants that are actually implementing a minimum age for diners. So is it reasonable for restaurants to ban children under the age of 12? Uh, That's like a notch below the cell phone for me. Yeah. But if you want it to be an adults only type deal, that's fine. But <clears throat> you just have to live with the potential consequences of somebody may, may not go to that restaurant if they can't bring kids. But if you don't want kids running around, if you don't want it to feel like a family restaurant, then that's fine. It's fine with me. I think that there are a lot of parents and I'm my wife and I are in this category right now who have done a good job of raising our kids, taking them to decent restaurants to help them understand how they need to conduct themselves. That would be disappointing for me. And I think you are being a little bit short-sighted and people wanting to just bring their kids who are going to run roughshod on the dining room versus people who have trained their kids on how to be courteous diners how to order their own food and how not to just make a huge fucking mess or if they do make a mess then then we're going to be the ones who are responsible for cleaning that up so you're not having to clean up an an extra mess but it is your choice that that's what you want to do at the risk of losing business put your staff in a crappy spot too yeah like what do you check in ids can i see his birth certificate right exactly yeah that's I guess under a certain or when the kids look a certain age, then it's easier to guess. But if my kid's 11 and they're saying, how old your kid? I'm going to say 13. I'm just going to yeah. lie to you. Your stupid rule. Uh, <laughs> how about time limited table seatings of around 90 or maybe 120 minutes? No problem with this one. There are way too many lingerers out there. We think it's cool, especially at a place, a place that offers reservations or one that doesn't sit there at the table 
and just continue to have like a 30 to 45 minute conversation while you're no longer consuming food or beverage, you're just enjoying the company of, uh, of your table mates. That's fine, but take the conversation outside. That table needs to be turned over. This is a, a business here. Especially on like a Friday or Saturday night too. Like Absolutely. On a good night, like tonight, like I think it's going to be a nice night tonight. It's a nice, pretty nice day. Minus the sun. <clears throat> Temperature was nice. Like you, yeah, you want people getting up and moving on and going, <laughs> going to do something else. Should adults be allowed to eat from children's menus? Apparently, this is a, a, a trend of modern dining is adults ordering from the kids' menu. No, no, hell no. <laughs> like that should flat out not be allowed. Like you order, can, order you, an appetizer. Like you, you can if you're exactly, not that hungry. It, like have a little bit more self-respect than to order the quesadilla or the chicken fingers, please. Order human food off of the regular menu and don't stoop to the uh, level of what the sad state of most kids menus, please. Especially if you're going somewhere nice, that's like known for a certain type of food or cuisine. You should be going, in my opinion, you should be going to eat that. Like, Hey, if chicken tenders are one of the top things on the menu, then, then get, get some chicken tenders. But I don't think that's going to be high up on the menu of the places that you're going off of these rules for. No. So there are certain new restaurants that are hip, as it's called in this article, Jeff, that don't have a website, a menu, or prices online anywhere for folks to find. Look, if that's how you want to do things, good luck with it. You're putting yourself at a serious disadvantage, though. I just know for me personally, if I'm considering a new place... I am going to take a look at the menu before I go there to make sure that they have something that I really want to eat. And if I can't find a menu, sorry, you're SOL. I'm going to go someplace else. Yeah. That's an insane new level of arrogance in a restaurant owner. Arrogance. That's a good way to work for it. Our food's so good. We don't have to tell you anything about it. Your dumbass is just going to show up. (laughs) I probably will not if I can't. I'm the same as you. I probably will not if I can't see the menu or anything like that. Okay, you are you. Wait a second. What is this one? You've ordered wine. Should the bottle be left within reach so you can serve yourself or park six meters away? Oh, I guess there are places that aren't leaving the. Like you buy it, you get a full bottle of wine, and the traditional thing is to leave the bottle on the table. But there are restaurants now that are starting to to take the bottle back with them. And when you need more wine, they'll bring it back over. And it saves a little bit of table space, but I guess there's a, an etiquette thing at play too. Screw that. Leave the bottle on the table. We're very capable of pouring our own wine, okay? Especially places that are charging whatever they're charging for a bottle. Right, because you are getting upcharged by double to triple. Let's yeah. Let's the hour. And is open flatulence still accepted by the restaurant society? No, it is not accepted by the restaurant society, DJ. CB, have a great weekend as well. And a happy Super Bowl Sunday to you too. Jeff, great job today. Thanks for laboring through the emotions, the coughs, (laughs) and uh, taking a break from, uh, from the actual day job to join me for a couple of hours. Absolutely. A blast as always, Trey. And enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Likewise, enjoy your isolation, you hermit. (laughs) Lucky, lucky hermit. We'll talk about how I enjoyed hermit life on Monday.
Yeah, exactly. Thanks to everybody else for tuning in this week. We do appreciate it. If you're on YouTube right now, please click that thumbs up button. Also subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel if you have not already. If you are on the app or if you're not, do download that free app to your phone through the Apple or Google Play stores by searching Texas Sports Unfiltered in the App Store or Jeff Barker and everybody else here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. We will talk to you on the other side of the weekend. Save the Wagner Wire, which will be Sunday morning as usual. In the meantime, have a great Super Bowl Sunday, a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you at 8 a.m. with Bucky and BK. Till then, welcome. Okay.